0: Stay hungry, stay foolish. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Welcome back to the Knowledge is Power podcast. I'm your host, Max Willett. And today, like I say on every podcast, we have another amazing guest and something that I've been excited for for, since we uh, put this in the books. Uh, So if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, that would be great.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited too. My name is Ashley Kalis and I'm running for governor.
0: Great. So uh, Ashley, if you want to go ahead and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your life story, that would be amazing.
1: All right, well, I am the mom of three school-age boys, um, and I live in Newport, and I uh, was born in San Diego, and uh, my mother was uh, divorced when I was really young, and she started a business herself, and the first thing that she did when, when she had any sort of money was move us to a place that has an excellent uh, public school system. And because she knew that education was the great equalizer, it was the way that you accessed opportunity. And I then eventually uh, made it to the East Coast and uh, exercised public school choice in my teenage years. Unlike a lot of other candidates, I was not a great student in high school. I think just having sort of a vitriolic divorce with my parents sort of made it sort of hard. And so I wasn't doing well. And a a uh, Department of Education official decided to send me to college for high school. And that that different sort of school environment really worked for me. So that's really what I found. And then eventually I did really, really well in college, uh, started a, a business uh, with my husband and grew that business and then, um, you know, really helped others achieve in their own success and then was able to move into uh, public policy. And that's where with Rhode Island, you know, the thing with Rhode Island is we really years ago wanted to be able to stay in Rhode Island. And sort of the idea of the American dream is that if you work hard, do a good job, follow the rules, you're supposed to be able to afford to live, work, and raise a family where you want to. And that just wasn't true for us in Rhode Island. Um, And we had done that. Um, My husband is the son of a Holocaust survivor, and he always did well in school. And we had a ton of student loans. And when we were looking to try to stay in Rhode Island during the financial crisis, where if we remember 2009, we were close to like 10% unemployment, we just didn't think we could make it here. And so that was difficult. And so when we were able to move back to Rhode Island, I found that the same problems were still here. And the only way that we're going to change things and make it better for Rhode Island is to have a change of leadership um, and have a leader that really wants to get things done and isn't beholden to anyone. So that's uh, that was the beginning of the thought process and which eventually led me to run for governor.
0: Well, amazing. Great story. Uh, What was uh, the first business that you started uh, when you got married?
1: Yeah, so I um, helped my uh, husband with his medical practice. So it was just us. Um, And so what ended up happening, we had a small medical practice, two people, maybe one part-time person, like any business that Mm -hmm. you start, you're you're your first employee and you're probably not paid, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, started it that way, then grew it to a larger medical practice ended up having operating rooms, ended up vertically integrating uh, the entire process and ended up being one of the largest regional uh, specialty practices. And it was great. I learned a lot through the process. I have um, done every job in, in the organization in terms of administrative jobs and regulatory compliance. And you know, also when COVID happened, uh, we were doing a high volume of OR cases and I wanted to be able to help. And the way that I was able to help is I had this skill set of medication management from the operating rooms and also Clea Wave testing. So got involved in um, testing and vaccines because at that time um it, that skill set was needed in the country. So ended mm-hmm. up working in multiple different states helping with vaccine and testing.
0: Very cool. And then also well,
1: and I did that with Rhode Island as well. So
0: awesome. Yeah. Well, well, that's great. Uh and so what made you like I know you said that you eventually wanted to move to Rhode Island, but what was the kicker? Like what made you really want to move here?
1: Well, we were here. I think having to leave somewhere that you don't want to leave is really, really hard. So my Mm -hmm. husband trained at Brown, who's at Rhode Island Hospital. Hasbro was here for eight years, started a small business here. um, And we we just couldn't, because of the financial crisis, couldn't stay. And so when you have to leave a place that you want to leave, it is really difficult. And we always intended on coming back. But if you don't, um if you don't have a safety net in family it's harder than it seems and so mm-hmm. as soon as we were able to do it our kids were young and i wanted them to grow up here and so as soon as we were able to come back we we just you have to make a decision in life which is how much is enough and when are you going to um live the life that you want to i can't replace my children's childhood and i want them to grow up here and i'm so I'm happy that I was able to do that, but nobody should have to leave Rhode Island because it's mm-hmm. not an affordable place. And what we are seeing is, we're seeing that right now. We have a crisis in housing, we have a crisis in affordability, we have an education crisis. So all of the same things that that have would make someone like myself leave, uh, you know, years ago are still problems today.
0: Yeah, that, that that's great. I mean, somebody like me. I mean, I grew I grew up in Rhode Island. I'm I'm from Charlestown. Uh, lived there. I'm 21 now, and I live there. So- 2003 i think my parents moved there i don't obviously don't remember <laughs> yeah. but uh i i love this day I, I especially love southern rhode island uh and i think as much as I say, you know, I love New Hampshire, I love Maine, I love the northern parts of New England. I really do love this state. There is uh,
1: nothing like Rhode Island. I yeah. will say we are like a mini United States. We have everything here. There is no need to leave Rhode Island. So if you can stay and you can afford to be here, I mean, I don't I don't I know that people leave, they always come back. There mm-hmm. is something so special about Rhode Island and I um my kids are so lucky that they get to be able to be raised here. Um where you're born and raised is not a choice. Um And I am I'm glad to be able to provide that childhood to my kids now and sort of sad that I, you know, had to miss out for some time. And I want to prevent that from happening in the future.
0: Yeah, well, I had on uh, House Minority Leader uh, Blake Phillippe uh, last year or was it earlier this year? Uh, But that's regardless. And he said the same thing. He's very similar. He loves his state. And the reason why he ran was because he he wanted to help in any way he could. Uh, And uh, he did a great job while he was in uh, in office. Um, but yeah. So one of the, obviously, I mean, I've, I I've watched some interviews, uh, that you were on and, and it seems like a reoccurring question, but for my listeners, I'd like to hear, you know, uh, what do you have to say to the people that are still going to question, you know, you've only you haven't lived in Rhode Island for that long. So what makes you qualified for governor, even though you've only lived in Rhode Island for a year?
1: Well, I'm back. That's the one thing yeah. is, that we, you know, my family. So a lot of people have to leave Rhode Island and, yeah. you know, the ability um, to come back. I really am am grateful for that. Now, I understand the problems of our state. They're big, you know, they're big problems, but we are a small state. So this is really a question of political will. Somebody mm-hmm. and the things that make it really hard for, uh, you know, people to get things done, specifically the Democrats who have been in, in power for a very long time um, are, are things that, you know are unfortunate but true. I'm not beholden to anyone. So we have big problems, small state. This is a question of political will. We spend a ton of money. We have a huge budget. And so we can actually make sure that we get a return um on our tax dollars. And you need somebody who isn't conflicted, um, doesn't feel a loyalty to a specific person over the over the entire state to really be a change agent and just do the right thing by uh Rhode Islanders. And that's what you're going to get with me is you're going to get somebody who just wants, you know, Rhode Island to do well. I don't owe anyone anything, and that is a real benefit. You know, and, and our problems with education. We can reform education. It's just political, well, let's just get it done. Let's spend our money well. The same thing with, you know, affordability. There's there's no reason, We're talking about affordability, the housing crisis, that didn't happen overnight. That was a mm-hmm. decades long issue. So all of these politicians now are acting like, oh, we just, oh, now we have an affordable housing crisis. It's like, no, you've been doing this for a decade, and now you realize we don't have enough housing stock. And with, you know, with me as governor, you'll get someone who demands results, somebody who's a problem solver, somebody who gets things done and does not feel that they owe anything to insiders and other career politicians. You're just going to get an honest broker. And I think that that's what Rhode Island needs for once is to just have somebody who genuinely wants the right thing um, for Rhode Island and will be able to deliver results. Because that is what I've done in business. That is what I've done in my life is I do what I say I'm going to do and I deliver results.
0: Well, great. So, and it's interesting you talk about real estate because I I'm very interested in real estate. Uh, I love it. I think the industry is is a is a great topic to talk about. And what would you do to make maybe help the real estate industry in the state of Rhode Island so that make it more affordable?
1: Yeah, so what we need to do, so there is uh, $250 million that's now allocated for affordable housing units in the state. And so what we need to do is we need to take that money and use it well. One thing we should do is we should create a pool of money for developers to access in order to uh, be able to build these units. The other thing is that um, when I'm governor, the first thing that I'll do is sit down with the cities and towns uh, to see why they haven't met their 10% uh, goal for affordable housing. A lot of places have not And each town and city is a little bit different in terms of the reasoning. And I will be a partner with them to help them achieve their goal because each place has a different challenge. And we can help uh, cities and towns, you know, build new housing stocks, make sure that we have policy solutions to their specific problems. And the reality is, Good government matters, so that's a lot of money. So we'll make sure that you know stuff is not money is not wasted and contracts aren't given out to friends or country club friends or any of the other nonsense that happens with the current administration. That's done. Is that we'll just deliver value to the people of Rhode Island. And what I've committed to is you know we will we will um, ensure that there are eighty thousand housing units built, ten thousand each year. That's that is a manageable amount of number and amount of growth. So that is what you will see in my administration. So we'll. Targets that matters as well is that if I'm focused on ten thousand units, you know, each year, we will be measuring to that and making sure that as we implement a plan, that we are actually delivering what we said we were going to deliver to the people of Rhode Island. Saying things like career politicians say, like, "Oh, I care so much about housing. I'm going to make sure there's housing." There's no accountability on the back end. They say whatever it takes to get elected, and then they don't actually look at what they said they were going to do. And they, I just don't feel that there's a I need to feel responsible for doing it. With me, I believe that if I say something, I'm going to have to do it. And that's what I intend to do. It's going to be 10,000 housing units a year. And I will be measuring towards that. How are we, right? Asking every few months, how are we doing making sure that we're delivering those those results to Rhode Islanders?
0: Great. Well, I appreciate the answer. So something that I've noticed that you really are running on is you want to be very focused on education in the state of Rhode Island. So can you explain why that's your... It seems like your number one priority, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, and what your plans are for education.
1: Well, it's because everything starts with education. It is uh, a civil rights issue. It is also an economic issue. Uh, It makes it very hard to recruit businesses if we don't have a functioning education system and if we're not supporting our public schools. So we need a short term plan because we have failing schools and we need a longer term plan, which is a commitment to education reform. So in the short term, there are a few things. We need to ensure that the right to quality education is a constitutional right. That is not the case currently in Rhode Island, and that needs to happen. And the other thing is, if your child is trapped in a failing school, when I'm governor, you will be able to pick a public school of your choice, because what you cannot do, as we undertake the long process of education reform, you cannot tell a kindergartner, "Hey, sorry, uh, your school isn't functioning." But wait five years, and then we'll get back on track. That just can't happen. So we need to have public school choice. Uh, in the beginning, we need to have more options available. We need to invest in schools that are more like um like Davies, which is a great example. It is a a technical and professional training school that is academically excellent, and the high schoolers that come out of that high school, they do they are not saddled with student loan, and they have high paying jobs that are available to them. We need mm-hmm. more of those. We need one in each county. And that's where we need to spend public funds and in investing in education. We don't need to do this corporate welfare stuff, which is what you see with the Superman building and with the soccer stadium. If we're going to be using public funds, we need to use them to build things for the future of our state.
0: Great. So so I, I went to Chero High School. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that part of the yeah. state. Okay. So we also have a career and technical program. Uh, and it's and it's very similar to Davies. Some would say better, but
1: <laughs> oh, I know everybody has their place. I, I yeah, oh I'm yeah. With it.
0: Um, um, but yeah, yeah, I I I very much agree with that. Uh, and that's a great statement because trades are very undervalued. So yeah, that's
1: something that happened. Unfortunately, I would say in my generation, that really did a mm-hmm. disservice, uh, to the country. Is that somehow the only path, um, was going to college and and the every other path became less than that and that is just not true it's quite frankly classes in a lot of ways are you looking at that's the only way you can be successful that is not true because folks in the trades are they're small business owners um it is you know, we're missing people in the trades now because we created that tiered system, which is just disingenuous and where we value one thing more than the other. And we're pushing everybody, everyone towards college when the trades and professional training tools, those are great jobs are important for our economy. And quite frankly, it's, it's a way to start a business. It's a way to employ Rhode Islanders. And it is a path towards high paying job that does not saddle you with uh, with student debts that are crushing. I've been mm-hmm. through that. I'm the generation that went through that. Is graduating from school with crushing student loans is a terrible way to start uh, your life as an adult. It's just hard. And so, it's unnecessary in a lot of cases.
0: Absolutely. Uh, so CCRI, you get the two years for free as CCRI. And I was just thinking of this, is do you think there's any way to help allocate the funds that go towards making school free CCRI students for regular degrees like business or all the other ones, communications and whatnot, and maybe trying to allocate those to some trade schools.
1: Right. We can also we can make it so we encourage individuals to consider going down a path of training and trades where there are jobs to be on the other side. So we can we can expand apprenticeship programs. We another big thing that um for me is the economy of the future is the blue economy. And so aligning uh studies with Uh, the new economy is a great thing to do. And so there are ways where we can have a path for individuals. I mean, whether you want to go to college or the trades, that should be a choice, right? And those Mm -hmm. should be two equal choices. So we need an education system that supports that, which says, hey, we're going to get you to a certain place. And then you decide what is best for your future because both options are equally valid and you should choose what fits what you'd like to do the most. And I just don't feel that we're doing that um, as we should in this state. So I think that um, there could be an option to, in a way, affordably go into a trade. Like, yeah, that is absolutely. really valid. I mean, it, it's a great, it's a great path. It's one that results in high paying jobs immediately. Like, you know, my friends have gone into the trades are, you know, they're buying houses. They are not um, saddled with the same sort of worry and student loans that um, my friends that didn't choose that path because they didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, they're sort of stuck going like, what did I pay all this money for? And you know, what do I have to show for it? It's very stressful. And so even presenting that option is something that we need to do a better job of.
0: Great. So uh, something I'd like to get into is, uh, is teachers in the state of Rhode Island. My mom's a teacher. She's been a teacher for almost 30 years now. uh, And she loves her job. Uh, And she's at the point now where she's doing it because she loves it. Uh, If you're elected governor, how would you support teachers in the state of Rhode Island?
1: Well, your mom's the hero, especially after what she uh, had to endure in in the last few years teaching through covid. I mean um teachers, frontline healthcare workers, everybody who tried to uh, provide a direct service, whether it be to their patients or to their students, um really, I mean, it it's just amazing the work that they've done. And also I get how tired everyone is too. Like it's been a lot. Um, and so in terms of supporting teachers, uh, when we do education reform, it, it's about making sure that we uh, provide, um, We say, well, and I'll go through my platform more because it talks about teachers a lot, which is having high standards. And what that means is professional development that is respectful of teachers, meaning high quality professional development opportunities available to teachers. We don't support our teachers as we should with professional development. The other thing is that in Rhode Island, we're not regionally competitive when it comes to teacher pay. And so we need to teach our pay our teachers more. I also believe that if you are helping us turn around a failing school, if you turn around that school, you deserve a bonus. It's it's merit based. It's it's something that we should do because it's hard work. It's it's some of the most critical mm-hmm. work that we're doing in our state, and you should be individually rewarded uh, for that. So there are ways that we can support our teachers, and one way is to actually make sure that we are really focusing on reforming education. The other part of supporting teachers is reforming the school funding formula to make sure that it's fair and equitable um, for teachers who are in uh districts with a high proportion of special education uh, children or where we need to support that more or also uh, children where English is their second language. By changing the formula, funding formula so that it's equitable, you are supporting teachers because you're providing the resources to the schools in a way that is fair because the schools need more resources. I'm sure you're, and I don't want to speak for your mom, but if there aren't enough resources, it makes a teacher's job really, really hard. And Mm -hmm. we're just not um, funding schools in an appropriate manner. Also giving different options. And when I say, you know, you need to be flexible because one size doesn't fit all. And we talk about Davies, when we talk about magnet schools for teachers, that's such an exciting experience as well is because you have kids who are passionate, kids who are in the right place for them in terms of their educational needs. And that also makes the work environment better as well. So education reform actually supports teachers. Fundamentally, it's about supporting children and supporting teachers.
0: Great. Uh, so something that I've noticed just from being around education for the past couple of years, uh, it seems, uh, and and looking at some statistics, so Rhode Island is, uh, according to uh, business.org, uh, is ranked like fourth in the country in terms of salary-based For teachers, it's 20% higher than the average salary for every other profession. So do you think that Rhode Island needs to support teachers more on the salary side or on the on school boards and, and the teachers union? Because for me, that seems to be more of the issues is that teachers aren't getting support from their school boards and from the teachers union and especially other faculty higher ups within the school systems.
1: So we need to look regionally. So if you're looking at national numbers, I always look regionally. I start regionally mm-hmm. and then we'll go national, but we're just not competitive. Just as a state, we're not competitive mm-hmm. um, regionally with many things, which is is kind of tough. But yeah, I mean, teachers need to feel supported. And that's when we're going through those different things. And I'm talking about those are ways where you're where you're not supporting teachers, right? Where if you if you know, um, you don't feel that the other individuals in the education system have your back, it's really hard to go and teach every day. So I think that leadership matters. Having a governor that prioritizes education and supports teachers will really make a difference.
0: Great. Um, so yeah, education is important to me as well. I, I I think it's a backbone of the state. Uh, and I was very lucky. Some people would say that I It seems like I'm boasting about where I went to high school, but uh, I I love that
1: you're so proud of it. That makes (laughs) that that must make your high school so happy, right? Like it's so nice that you have such a good memory of it, um, and are proud of it. That's great, and everybody should have that. Mm -hmm. We don't have that in in Rhode Island. We don't really have a level playing field. We have kids that are trapped in failing schools, and we have parents who cannot exercise school choice because they do not have the money to do so, and so people should, you know, everyone should be able to have that experience. And we spend a lot of money on education. So it's not necessarily a a funding issue. It's more of a return on investment issue is how are we spending the money? Well, are we getting our values worse? Because I want everyone to have that similar sort of pride and not feel like you're trapped in a school because you can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't leave.
0: Yeah, I was very lucky. Seems people would say that I was in the heyday of Cherokee, You know, we had the best four years. We were ranked like third in the state in terms of schools. Uh, so I was very lucky. Uh, and I think I think school school choice is important as well. So I think that's a great thing to focus on. Uh oh, if you'll just go ahead and say no, something. No,
1: I'm just gonna say people exercise yeah. school choice all the time, right? Yeah. And so if you send your child to a private school, you're exercising school choice. If you did what my mother did, um, which is the First thing that she did when she had any sort of money is move to a place with an excellent uh, public school system. That's a way of exercising school choice as well. Mm-hmm. So we have to think of it as a, in a broader context of school choice is exercised all, all the time. And when people want to not provide public school choice, it's really you're excluding some people who may not be able to exercise that financially. And that's just wrong. And that's where I talk about it being a civil rights issue.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, great. So, I mean, not unfortunately, but. Rhode Island has been controlled, like you stated before, uh, by the other side of the aisle for quite a while now. Uh, in the House, there's 75 total seats, 65 are Democrats, uh, 38 in the Senate, to- 38 seats total in the Senate, 33 are Democrats. And something that I've noticed, a lot of people who are Republican or who I know to lean right uh, say that their vote is wasted. And then uh, you have and it's a very sad thing to hear whether or not I agree with them. Uh, but it it's you don't ever want to feel like your vote is wasted. Uh, something else, uh, you know, I hear is like a, ro- a Republican will never get elected in Rhode Island, uh, which isn't, you know is is kind of not a good statement to say because only two governors ago that we have a... a Thank a, you, you were just yes. making my argument so, for
1: me. That, exactly, I mean, that's yeah. just not based on facts, right? So, and, so
0: yeah. what do you have to say to the people that are saying that, that my vote is a waste? Or what do you say to people that lean left and still aren't sure? Whether or not they want to vote for Dan McKee or another Democrat candidate.
1: I would say don't vote for them, right? It like <laughs> it, it, we Rhode Island, the Democrats have not delivered results to the people of Rhode Island. So this is a general statement, which is that there need to be, you know, elections are about consequences. And the reality is the Democrats have not delivered a healthy economy to the people of Rhode Island. They've not delivered an excellent uh school system. So the choice right now is about change. You know, do you want to keep with these people who just are not delivering results or try something different. Try and try me, right? Is somebody who will deliver results to the people of Rhode Island, someone who is not beholden, someone who is excited and energetic about the job and somebody who really wants to get things done.
0: Yeah, uh, great. And,
1: and no vote is ever wasted. That's a terribly self defeating mm-hmm. thing to say. The only way that we get to change is for the people of Rhode Island to make a decision at the ballot box to choose change.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, a, a good friend of mine said that He's just going to vote for Dan McKee because he's the lesser of the evils. And I'm like, that's exactly why some people well, don't get elected in the state of Rhode Island. Maybe you should tell
1: him about me and have him yeah. learn a bit more about me because I am not like Dan McKee. Yep. And having a career politician insider um, that is being investigated by the FBI does not serve the state well.
0: Great. Uh, so something else that I'd like to touch on is uh, recently... There have been a, a bill that was passed through the House and the Senate uh, limiting the uh, your basically gun rights, limits the number of uh, rounds you can have in a magazine or the capacity of a magazine to 10 and raises the age limit to uh, 21 in order to purchase a firearm. Do you support this, this uh, or will you do something to change that?
1: Yeah, so I mean... Do I support I mean, I mean, in terms of new gun legislation? Absolutely. Yeah, not. we don't okay. need, we do not have Um, and we have some of the strictest gun laws in the country. And what we need to do is focus on enforcing the laws that we have in the books. And, uh, you know, making sure that we do that and keeping our schools safe. So having uh, school resource officers there to keep kids safe. That's what we, our focus needs to be on. It needs to be on public safety, not these gun bills that Um, They're not planning to enforce anyway. That's really the problem is we have to stop doing this performative politics stuff at election years and and rewarding politicians for it. And also when we talk about that magazine bill, that's that's unconstitutional. It'll probably not be upheld. And so I don't understand a governor who, Dan McKee, um, signed that bill knowing that it it probably was not constitutional. What does that say about him and his character? He only cares about scoring points. He does not care about upholding the law. That man is lawless.
0: Uh, So do you feel like mass shootings are a a national issue? Uh, Do you feel like it's something that needs to be fixed? And, And do you feel like things need to happen in the state of Rhode Island to help prevent that from happening?
1: Mental health is a massive crisis, and we are only beginning to see the the uh, beginning of the mental health crisis based on what we did to kids during COVID. It is starting now, and we need to get ahead of it. We need to make sure that we are investing uh, in our healthcare system, that we have providers. You know, our Medicaid rates were so low that we it was almost impossible to practice here. We're still ranked 50th in the country to practice medicine. And so we need to make sure that we have individuals that are able to take care of people. And you cannot address a mental health crisis if you don't have any mental health providers. So we really do need to prioritize this as a state. And what I say again and again is we did not get here overnight. We are in crisis, but this was a decision by the Democrats to underinvest in a healthcare system and to ignore the fact that we have a mental health crisis. So we we have one in Rhode Island um, and we need to make sure that we have somebody who uh, really wants to address it rather than blaming other things. Or pretending that they aren't part of it. They are part of the problem. They've been part of the problem for the last decade plus. And so they can't just wake up during an election year and say, oh, I'm going to be your solution going forward. That's not even credible. If they didn't do, if these career politicians haven't done anything over the course of their career, what makes you think they're going to do anything going forward? It's just a bunch of promises to get elected, and they hope that you will never hold them accountable and that you will forget from one election cycle to the next what they said the next last cycle. So what I will say about this election is this is time to hold people accountable for their failure to deliver to Rhode Island.
0: Great. Uh, So so something else I'd like to move on to is, is the economy. So what is your sort of current analysis on the state of Rhode Island's economy?
1: I mean it's not it's not great we're a small um, business state, and we uh, overregulate. We have sort of been a punitive approach to businesses, which would change under my administration. And we um, and we tax too much, so we're not regionally competitive. You know, Nellie Gorbea, the only tax rate that we're sort of competitive regionally with, she wanted to raise, and that just shows how out of touch the Democrat Party is in terms of what they think matters and how to how to uh, make things happen. So we need to reduce regulation. We need to reduce taxes. We need to make make sure that we foster innovation and entrepreneurship and that we invest in things that do that. So, you know, with 38 studios, we still remember that. I mean, I I don't know. Do you remember that? I I I don't want to say how young you are, but you know, but you remember, but you know what that weight that holds emotionally for Rhode Island, right? Like that Mm -hmm. is such a, um, it, it symbolizes, um something where we wasted taxpayers dollars and politicians did that by betting on private firms and here we are again with you know 38 stadium with the soccer team the same thing and so we need to learn from the lessons of the past and what we need to do is we need to have an economic development strategy that uh, is more modern and what that means is that you invest in things that are for all of Rhode Island, public works projects where everybody can use the result. No, you should not be betting on private firms such as a soccer stadium or for this luxury apartment building that apparently we're, we're paying for. That is not mm-hmm. an appropriate use of public funds. And empirically, it is shown to not work as an economic uh, development strategy. You cannot bribe businesses to come here and think that it's going to create real sustained growth. That is something that must change. It'll change under my administration.
0: Yeah. Uh, so a statistic I heard uh, actually last week was 98% of business in Rhode Island is, are considered to be small businesses. Yeah. So what would you do to help support small business in the state of Rhode Island? Because for some reason, I'm going to say what reasons, uh, there's sort of a stigma that that Rhode Island doesn't support small business currently. So what are you going to do to change that?
1: Well, you have a small business in Rhode Island, yep. right? Yeah. How do you find it? uh <laughs> okay right now yeah. well, let me tell you the, the <laughs> thing is that you, you only get a notice from the state government if you uh didn't uh call a department or they want to fine you it is a very punitive approach there's tons of regulation it is very hard to figure it out as a small uh, small business owner so what you will have with me is a one-stop shop where you can call one place uh that will help you navigate the mazes so that you are not afraid that you know there are 15 departments you are supposed to call and two have policies that conflict with each other and you don't know how to be Regulatorily compliant. Most small business owners will tell you that they want to follow the rules. The problem with government is it's hard to tell what the rules are. And the only time that you find out that you've broken them or didn't file something or something like that is when you get one of these sort of aggressive notices that says, ah, you're breaking the rules. So we need to make it easy for businesses to do business, which means one place to call uh, would really help businesses. Also, we cannot continue to create regulations that don't really have any sort of benefit. And so having an approach where for every regulation that we put in, I would ask my administration to remove two. That makes it so that we don't have this sort of crazy regulatory message keeps on growing, which seems to happen in government a lot. Is It's just every year it's more and more and more regulations. It becomes really hard for business owners.
0: Great. Well, we're going to start winding down a little bit. Um, but something that I thought of uh, just as a, it's co- sort of a vague question, but um Especially in the state, the Republican Party is seen as sort of the bad guy. Um, and where do you see yourself within the Republican Party? As as James Lathrop said, he's uh, fiscally conservative and socially responsible, which is an interesting take. So what would you describe yourself as in, in terms of the Republican Party?
1: The Democrat Party has had control for 80 years. Mm-hmm. And we have. Children that are trapped in failing schools. We have an economy that is for the few, not for the many. So, in terms of who the actual bad guy is, let's look at the result of one party rule in this state. And I will say that the minority party is not the bad guy. The people in power have failed the people of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And so what we need is we need change. So I I just I I disagree with with the Republican, you know, party being the bad guy. I mean, the people who have failed to deliver results and the same politicians who continue to do that, those are the people that um, have hurt Rhode Island. And, you know, I I also think that this year, um, with that said, if people want change, and they want, um, you know, to fix the education system, to fix the economy. I will work with anyone who has those goals. So I I will work with Democrats because mm-hmm. this is also, it's, it's about the future of our state. And so if you sincerely want to fix education, make sure this is an affordable place to live, work, and raise a family, I will work with you. Uh, you know, I, I will work with you. I do not care about your party affiliation if the values are about fixing Rhode Island.
0: Great. I think a lot of people needed to hear that. Uh, so, so the last question that I ask every podcast guest is if you could leave uh, my listeners with one piece of advice, whether that be business, life, politics, whatever you want it to be, what would that piece of advice be?
1: It's such a great question. It's such a profound question, right? I think it is... Are you, you know, it's a question, which is that, are you happy with the way things have gone in Rhode Island or do you want change? And if you want change, I think that think about considering someone new, somebody who isn't beholden to anyone and somebody who genuinely just wants the right thing for Rhode Island. Mm
0: -hmm. Great. Well, I really appreciate you putting aside the time today. I know you're very busy with, uh, just everything and running a campaign in general. I can't imagine it's very easy, (laughs) but, uh. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. uh, And I will catch you in the next one.